1450, The Patriot, WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Intelligent Radio, fueled by Lucky's Station. With SRN News, I'm Gordon Griffin. A second arrest is made in last Friday's terrorist bombing of that uh, commuter train in Britain. A brief press notice from the Metropolitan Police said a 21-year-old man from Hounslow was arrested just before midnight by detectives from the Counter-Terrorism Command. He's been detained under Section 41 of the Terrorism Act. He remains in custody at a South London police station. That is the BBC's Andy Mirror. Meanwhile, Britain's terror threat level remains at critical, the highest level, meaning that authorities believe another attack is imminent. The United States Embassy in Paris says diplomatic staff in France is in contact with French authorities about the acid attack on four American women. An embassy spokesman said Sunday that the U.S. consulate in the southern port city of Marseille is communicating with French officials about the attack at the main train station. This is SRN News. Hey, this is Mitch Berg of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And perhaps you've heard it's crazy out there. We've got terrorists threatening our liberties every which way you turn. And that's just the Democrats in D.C. and St. Paul. So what are you supposed to do? Well, for starters, tune in the Northern Alliance Radio Network. That's me every Saturday from 1 to 3 and Brad Carlson every Sunday from 2 to 3 on AM 1280, The Patriot. Listen to The Narn every Saturday at 1 and Sunday at 2 on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. You're listening to AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. Coming up next is The Narn with Brad Carlson, The Closer, right here on AM 1280, The Patriot. So don't go anywhere. First, weather update from the Benjamin Franklin Plumbing Weather Center. Today, a high of 69 degrees and sunny skies all day today. A high of 65 tomorrow with a good chance of rain through most of Monday. And a high of 75 degrees and probably cloudy skies for Tuesday. Stay tuned. It's the Narn with Brad Carlson right here on AM 1280, The Patriot. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master Control. Go flight. Studio Engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer, Brad Carlson. Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson, closing out this weekend's Northern Alliance Radio Network festivities. As always, you can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. You can also text your comments or questions. 651-243-0390 or weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NARN, hashtag N-A-R-N for any comments or questions. Regarding today's show content, and as always, we appreciate you tuning in, whether it's live, taking a break from the Vikings game. Vikings are making it interesting. They just scored a touchdown. Of course, they shanked the extra point. But 17-9, to 9, uh, you know, still within a touchdown, two-point conversion. So I'll take it, considering the fact they're without their starting quarterback today's game. But um, anyways, if you're listening in the podcast later on, uh, glad you tuned in regardless of whenever you listen to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. A lot going on these days. And, uh, by the way, this is going to be free of uh, panel discussions and one-hour pontificating on President Trump re- retweeting a GIF 
of him driving a golf ball, and then in the next picture, Hillary Clinton falling on her face after the golf ball hits her in the back. Okay, it's going to be free of that kind of commentary because the outrage culture is just way too much. Juvenile stupid, yeah, of course it is, but the outrage culture where you need to put an hour's panel discussion on CNN or MSNBC regarding why this is such an outrage and and promotes violence against women, it's just, uh, yeah, beyond the pale. So we will forego that, but... I did want to get to some of the big items from this past week, particularly uh, President Trump apparently reaching a deal with House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer on legislation regarding DACA. Now, you may remember uh, this particular uh, this particular situation came up because DACA, or that's an acronym for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, was a program instituted by President Obama a few years ago. And in a, in a sense, it said, look, young people who are here in this country that have not committed any crimes, that were born here under illegal alien parents or were brought here as very young kids when their parents snuck them across the border, okay, it's not their fault, the actions of their parents, so therefore we're going to put in a law in place that says we're not going to take any action against them. That was President Obama's thing where he drafted a memo to the Department of Homeland Security and said don't take any action on children of illegals. They're they're here to stay until we can come up with something. In pl- it's just a temporary thing. Well, it was getting set to expire a couple of weeks ago, and President Trump indicated that he was going to let it expire and throw it back to Congress, say, look, we need to get this issue resolved. And President Trump, from the things he's been saying— seems very open to allowing these young people to stay in this country because he concurs, look, it's not their fault that they were dragged here by their parents or that they were born here in this country because their parents were here illegally. He was more inclined to go along with that. And so as a result, he decided to reach out to Democrats in Congress to try to craft some legislation. Now, I'm... I'm going to go on the record and saying that I've never had an issue with Republicans and Democrats reaching across the respective aisles trying to make deals. Okay, I've never had an issue with with a Republican president, whether it's George W. Bush or George H. W. Bush or Ronald Reagan, you know, the most the most recent Republican presidents and now President Trump. I've never had an issue with them reaching out to Democrats and, and trying to make a deal. All right. The issue I always have had is the Republicans always seem to get squat in return, or they never seem to fight for a more palatable agreement. And I know that sounds ridiculous, especially in light of the fact that the Republicans control all levers of power in Washington, D.C. I get that. But this is a situation where there seemed to be some opportunity here for President Trump and his signature issue, which is the border fence. Remember the huge wall? We're going to build a huge wall and make Mexico pay for it. Well, a lot of people looked at that and said, well, that's more Trump's bluster. This is how he negotiates in the business world where he proposes such an outlandish scenario. And it's so outlandish, but he has every intention of coming to the middle. And yet it's still a very palatable uh, agreement that he'll reach. Okay. So he starts with something so outlandish, he knows he has no hope of of getting accomplished, but uh, he he's all for something that is more toward uh, the middle, I guess. 
It's like, okay, whatever, willing to give him his give him his chance in that. And 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 I figured that this issue this issue with DACA, is it DACA or DACA? I've never really clarified that. <laughs> DACA, DACA. We'll just go with DACA. This seemed to be an opportunity for President Trump to maybe negotiate for his border fence. He says, Okay, you Democrats, you're in such hysteria. You know, the Democrats, they're typical theatrics. This is just cruel. This is inhumane. I can't believe that he would just let this particular statute lapse. How, how just unbelievably cruel, you know, that uh, these kids who, who are not here, who are here through no fault of their own, you're going to send them back to a country where they've never lived. And it's like, calm down, calm down. He said specifically, we're going to give Congress six months to resolve this, and if they don't, we'll revisit it. But nobody's getting thrown back to a country where they've never lived. But nevertheless, it doesn't stop the Democrats from engaging in their normal hysteria. So you figure this is a good opportunity for President Trump to say, okay, look, I'm more inclined to agree with you. We don't believe that these kids should be sent to a country where they've ever lived. I mean, a lot of of these youngsters, they they come here uh, whose uh, their parents are illegal aliens from Mexico. They've never lived in Mexico, never been to Mexico yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to send them back there and try to figure out a life on their own under a whole new uh, in a whole new country. We get that, and I don't think I don't necessarily want to see that either. So, in exchange for that, we really need to secure this border. We really need to get it seal. We need to seal up this border once and for all. If you give me this border fence and get that put in place and get construction on that, we'll be sure that these kids. Are not are not sent back. We'll come up with some sort of agreement. And I don't, you know, I, I don't want to use the word amnesty because amnesty means they're they're here scot free. Because there's always been proposals bandied about as those who are here illegally and even those who are here working as adults paying into the system. Uh, maybe there's some sort of penalties that they have to pay. You know, whether it's back taxes, whether it's significant fines, what have you. That in and of itself is not amnesty. Amnesty means the slate's wiped clean, you know, you, you aren't held accountable. So, whatever. Well, apparently, this past week, it started. I started hearing some rumblings. It was uh, early last week. It was about last Tuesday, I believe it was, where a White House legislative affairs director by the name of Mark Short, he told reporters on Tuesday, uh, this is from a Hill story, by the way, thehill.com, uh, that President Trump would not demand that border wall funding is tied to a legislative replacement for the DACA program. Speaking at a roundtable event hosted by the Christian Science Monitor, Short said the administration does not want to bind itself by making a demand that would likely be a non-starter for many lawmakers. We're interested in getting border security, and the president has made the commitment to the American people that a barrier is important to that security, Short said. Whether or not that is a part of a DACA equation or another legislative vehicle, I don't want to bind us into a construct that would make that conclusion on DACA impossible. Now, there had been speculation that Trump would require any compromise on potential DACA legislation, include money for a wall along the southern border. Short was adamant that his remarks were not an indication that the president is going soft on the wall. Well, to which I would ask, then when do you ever expect you would be able to broach this issue. I mean, this seems like the ideal time. If the Democrats who were engaging again in just this utter hysteria over the potential of young people being shipped out of here through no, because they were here through no fault of their own, I mean, again, this is, this is the words they're using, 
if if you can't use leverage in that situation, then when are you going to be able to? Now, I get that. You know, and, and of course, the comeback is, oh, well, you know, young people, they shouldn't be used as leverage in any negotiation. And, and I agree. But this is also a very common sense situation. We need to secure up this border. OK, you're not going to have a border fence. W- what are you going to use? You're going to use E-Verify? You're going to put more personnel on the border? What? Something, anything. Because this has been tried before. I, you remember the Gang of Eight? These uh, uh, bipartisan group of uh, senator of uh, Republicans and Democrats in the Senate who wanted to come together and, and put together some sort of immigration reform once and for all. And they were talking and Republicans were talking about E-Verify and that continually got shot down. I mean, the border has to be secured. And if, and if Democrats, if that's going to be a non-starter with Democrats, then I don't know how this issue is ever going to get resolved. And of course, Trump came out, uh, he and uh, First Lady Melania Trump, they were, I, they were heading down to Florida for some Hurricane Irma relief and going to uh, pitch in down there. And he was asked about it, and he, he kept assuring people, well, the wall and the wall, wall will, come, will come. And then a day, and then sometime later that week, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi announced that they, have a, they had a productive discussion with the president, and they are going to get some legislation in place that will include enhanced security of the border, but not, and they, and they emphasize this, not a border fence. So it, it, I, President Trump, in my opinion, is delusional here. If he thinks the you know relax the wall's still going to come okay great when because if you can't get leverage for the wall in this situation when do you ever expect to get it that 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 just that to me was just very confusing and and this was and the whole sideshow of these negotiations was fun to watch because remember so many Democrats have delegitimized a President Donald Trump you know that's whole, part of the whole resistance you know don't don't legitimize him in any way you know whether whether it's uh, uh, meeting with members of Congress or whatever. We, we can't legitimize him. But then the leaders of the Democrat Party in both the Senate and House, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi respectively, go and have dinner with the president to try to get this issue resolved. Now all of a sudden you have leftists pitching a fit because, well, they're legitimizing him. Well, this is the problem you have when you paint yourself into a corner with this resistance movement, which is complete nonsense, by the way, when you're not going to legitimize the president in any way, shape, or form. Whether you like it or not, he is president of the United States. He sits in the Oval Office, and he can he has the power to sign any legislation passed by Congress or veto any legislation passed by Congress. That's just a fact of life. You can try to deny that, play these stupid little resistance games all you want, but the fact of the matter is, he is the president of the United States. And Pelosi and Schumer, while maybe they were kind of playing this little game for a while, realize, hey, this is a serious issue. He does, he does hold some leverage here. You know, we might... Want to try to get out of it what we want. Okay, and guess what? Pelosi and Schumer have been in the D.C. swamp a lot longer than President Trump has, and this is going to be a battle of wills. President Trump, he who wants to drain the swamp, and then the swamp creatures themselves and Schumer and Pelosi. So the uh, sideshows from this will uh, definitely continue to ramp up. That is for certain. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also text comments or questions at 651-243-0390 or weigh in via Twitter, hashtag N-A-R-N. Brad Carlson, the closer, right here in the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. Step into Chet's shoes for quality safety toe and regular toe footwear. We have friendly footwear experts who will help you find the right shoe in the right fit. Don't like steel? Try our composite and aluminum toe options. 
And don't forget about Chet's this hunting season. Ask about our fall hunting specials. Stop in to see us in Columbia Heights and our Red Wing stores in Circle Pines, Coon Rapids, Bloomington, St. Cloud, and Columbia Heights. Remember, if the shoe fits, you've been to Chet's. Visit us at Chet'sShoes.com. If you're a sleep apnea sufferer who's on the go, go to your phone and call right now to try the world's very first completely original portable mini CPAP device absolutely risk-free for 10 restful nights. It's the Transcend Mini CPAP, an engineering marvel that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. Its unique design is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase to use anywhere you go. No more dragging around a big, bulky CPAP. Even better, now you can try Transcend absolutely risk-free for 10 restful nights by calling miniCPAP.com, 1-800-498-4929. Transcend is FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. You can also add a battery pack that's as tiny as a deck of cards. So now you can enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere. But don't wait. To receive your 10-night in-home trial, call miniCPAP.com now, 1-800-498-4929. That's 1-800-498-4929. When I found out I was pregnant, I panicked. I was afraid, feeling pressured. I didn't know what else to do. I was nine weeks along and didn't know there were other options. I didn't know the baby already had a beating heart. I didn't know there were couples waiting to adopt. I called the confidential hotline and learned the facts. I found an option that both my baby and I can live with. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America, the billboard people. So often we get calls just like this from men and women seeking help and alternatives. Our 800 hotline connects callers to the services they need for pregnancy, adoption, as well as post-abortion assistance. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of confidential counseling or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or check us out on the web, prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is educational, non-political, and tax-deductible. Pro-Life Across America, the billboard people. I know you came here to see Hey, welcome back. AM 12 the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. It is me, Brad Carlson, the closer. Thanks for tuning into the broadcast. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also text your comments or questions to 651-243-0390 or weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NARN. And as always, we appreciate you tuning into the broadcast today. Uh, Hillary Clinton went on a uh, kind of a nationwide uh, media whining tour this past week to promote her book entitled "What Happened." Uh, it's not a, it's not posed as a question. It's her book from her perspective, telling people what happened and why she lost to Donald Trump. How you lose a presidential election to Donald Trump to this day still defies logic, in my opinion. But uh, who who am I to say? But this is just. It's sad to watch because this is a person who felt she had this election in the bag. She felt she was entitled to this. It was her turn. And yet some demagogue populist like Donald Trump comes in and upsets her apple cart. And it's sad to watch. It is because she absolutely cannot take responsibility for anything. And we've got a few audio clips that I want to uh, get to we'll start off with this this is kind of a the washington free beacon does a wonderful job of kind of taking interviews and kind of encapsulating them and summarizing them with some key buzzwords and phrases used in the interview and this is hillary clinton i don't know who she was sitting down with this in this particular interview but listen to the laundry list of reasons 
that she has given for why she lost. And again, it was basically summed up in a couple of words from for each of the reasons. So, Brandon, if we have cut number one, go. Hillary Rodham Clinton has spent the last 10 months trying to figure out why she isn't president of the United States. I'm not going to... Uh, Step back from telling my truth, my the truth. idea of a woman president, Not the white, truth, but my authoritarian. Truth. There was something that was personal toward me, the Russians weaponizing information, negative stories about me, this whole WikiLeaks of John Podesta's emails. They were taken out of context. We now know Facebook, voter suppression, feeds in, I think, to the whole sexism and misogyny. And the attacks were so sexist. A lot of the sexism and the misogyny, and then let's not forget sexism and, and Misogyny. Yes, let's we not forget really you haven't mentioned don't it. Want a woman commander in chief? Nostalgia. Yeah, millions of white people. The forces that were at work. It was a perfect storm. Using personal email presented in such a negative way. I don't know quite what audience he was playing to. Right wing commentators, right wing members of Congress. But for that Comey letter, she would have won. So badly damaged because of that. Election. Eleven days before the election, it just stopped my momentum. Help me make sense of that. There was anger and there was resentment. A lot of people didn't want to hear my plans. Trump was behaving in a deplorable manner. A large number of people who didn't care. Oh, but they were already energized. I don't buy that. Having him scowling and leering, it, it was so just combobulating. Back up, you creep. You know, maybe I missed a few chances of, you know, my share of Chardonnay. I wanted to tell what happened, and the primary was part of what happened. Won a landslide victory in the primary. I didn't get the same respect from my primary opponent. A lot of his supporters continue to harass. Well, you're supporting a woman because you're a woman. Yes, and they're still out there. And Bernie's not a Democrat. It's very uh, hurtful. Enough. Okay, there you have it. Uh, just a basically laundry list of excuses. Never never once did she say, well, you know, had I not been negligent by setting up a personal email server in order to avoid transparency, uh, perhaps the emails wouldn't have become an issue and it really bogged down my campaign. It's like, why were the emails an issue? Because you set up an, an unauthorized server that, by the way, was exposed to hacks and could have compromised national security because you being Secretary of State at the time uh, had had access to those sensitive documents, sensitive emails. She was so delusional about how that whole situation was handled. Well, the reason uh, FBI Director Comey brought, you know, she brought, well, it stopped my momentum because he brought it up 11 days before the election. Well, guess what? Had the emails not been there in the first place, had you not been so underhanded and so corrupt with this stuff, it, it wouldn't have been an issue. And by the way, People are get tired of these elites who thinks that they are entitled to power. That was another thing. Likeability, you know, she just dismisses it. Well, I wasn't likable because I was a because I was a woman. Uh, cut number two, Brandon. Uh, she was on an M- NBC News interview. Uh, this is about a, about a minute or so. This also was very telling. Go. Do you think it's harder for Americans to elect a woman than it is an African-American man? I think there's a lot of evidence, a lot of research supporting uh, the uh, idea that race is a much more motivating factor for voters than gender is. And, you know, I write in the book about an incredible conversation I had with Sheryl Sandberg, who has done so much work to really untangle what it is, what, you know, what's like realistic in terms of, okay, what you have to do to be successful and what is tinged, if not affected by sexism. 
And she says, look, the research is absolutely clear. Where, where is the this more research? professionally successful a man becomes, the more likable he is. Yeah. The more professionally successful a woman becomes, the less likable she is. And the more a woman is in service for someone else. You know, when I was Secretary of State, I came out of that job with, I think, a 69% approval rating because I was in service to my I country. I was in service to our president. I was proud to do it. But when a woman walks into the arena and says, I'm going for this myself, it really does have a dramatic effect on how people perceive. I want to see this research that was cited. What research? What, what poll? Show me the research. Well, research shows that uh, that, that uh, would, um, what, was it? what was the quote? Let me find it. I did jot it down because I wanted to come back to that. Hold on a second. Yeah, so uh, I just lost it. Sorry about that. Let me open that real quick. Basically, where she's saying that a woman's, uh, as a woman gains more power, that her, yeah, the professionally, the more professionally successful a woman becomes, the less likable she is. Isn't that a wonderful message for young ladies? Hey, don't, 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 uh, don't try to, uh, don't try to climb that ladder or bust through that ceiling too quickly here, because the more successful you become, the less likable you be, unless. You're okay with being less likable. What a, what a terrible message. And this woman was being held up as a role model to young ladies? That was what was so nauseating leading up to Election Day when people were certain Hillary would, want, would win. Oh, what a wonderful message to my daughter that the woman can finally break through that glass ceiling and be president of the United States. And yet she just, she, she just kisses it off to misogyny and sexism. Well, let, let me ask this. Is there any situation where a, where a female can be unlikable? Solely, without solely being based on her gender? I'm asking a serious question. Is there a situation where a woman can be unlikable without it being based solely on her gender? Is there? And by the way, why all this talk about gender? There are so many genders now these days. It shouldn't be a binary thing anymore, and you can identify as any gender you want. Why should that play a role in it, in it at all anymore? Hey, left, This is your. these are your rules. This this is getting way more discussion than it deserves, and I and I point to a uh, a to Bill Burr who appeared on the Conan O'Brien show about uh, I think around inauguration time when Trump was elected, and Bill Burr sums it up better than I ever could, and it's done in kind of a snarky way, but it really doesn't deserve any more than that. So Bill Burr on the Conan O'Brien show uh, back in January, go. So far, you know, what did you think of uh, uh, Hillary Clinton at the inauguration? I thought that was. For her to show up at that inauguration, it's the second time that... And she uh, started crying a little bit again. I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I get sick of people making excuses for her. She blew it. <laughs> See that? Nobody thinks that. She blew it. Look, you lost to a guy who said three things a week that would torpedo anybody else's campaign. Back. How do you do that? Back. That's like you're playing a football game, the other team throws 20 interceptions, and you still, you still figure out how to blow it. At what point... At what point do you take responsibility? They try to say they would be like, oh, it was a bunch of, I love the racist white guy thing. A bunch of racist white guys. Uh, they came out of the forest and they were just going, Trump, Trump, Trump. It's like, where were all these racist white guys the last two elections when they could have voted against a black guy? They were fine. Oh, I don't mind a black guy, but this white lady, we gotta stop. It's gonna take her four wheelers, Macuzzi. So, okay, so not a lot of sympathy there for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> You blew, you 
blew it. Like, you put the wrong team around you. You didn't generate enough excitement to beat this guy. Who, I mean, it was unbelievable that the stuff that that he was just tripping over one coffee table after another, and somehow you just couldn't get out in front of this guy. Okay, that 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 pretty much says it all. I mean, it was done in a hilarious, snarky way, but that's really all of this deserves. I mean, Hillary Clinton wrote an entire book, and from I, I haven't read the book, but I've seen enough reviews on it, and someone indicated that she dedicated exactly three sentences to. Her line about deplorables, remember that, the uh, the, the basket of deplorables line she made? Or, or, or It was, um, yeah, it was last September. Uh, the uh, I'll, read the, I'll read it real quick. I only got about a minute here. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are people like that. And he, Trump, has lifted them up. He has given voice to their websites that used to have 11,000 people, now have 11 million. I like how she just throws all these arbitrary numbers out there and nobody fact checks her on these. Like she had a 69% approval rating as Secretary of State. Or the research says, where, where are all these studies? Where are these? Cite your sources. Show your work. Anyways, he, he tweets and retweets her offensive, hateful, mean-spirited rhetoric. Now, some of these folks, they are irredeemable, but thankfully they are not America. All right? To basically kiss off half of Trump's supporters as deplorables and irredeemable, people who were, and I say a a significant number of people, very hesitatingly voting for Trump, supporting Trump, couldn't stand Trump, but thought Hillary was worse. And then just to, to basically label them as deplorables and irredeemable. Okay? And yet, you bear no responsibility for that at all? D- despicable and, and apparently i guess maybe she did show a little bit of regret but that is a huge torpedo of her campaign to think of your fellow americans in those terms those people who were reluctantly supporting trump and after saying those things about them they sure weren't coming back around to mrs clinton that's for sure <laughs> 651-289-4488 is the number to call or use hashtag narn on twitter brad carlson the clothes are back with another segment on the broadcast go nowhere Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-721-4880. That's 800-721-4880. 800-721-4880. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Small businesses drive our nation's economy, employing about half of the country's private sector workforce. Here's coffee. Thanks so much. When you shop at local small businesses, you help the entire community thrive. Hi, I'm Congressman Jason Lewis. I support local small businesses for the good of our community. Let's help our neighbors thrive. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Are you self-motivated and creative? Oh, you betcha, yeah. Do you believe in the importance of small business? Oh, yeah. Then call us. 
We're looking to add an additional account executive here at Salem Media Twin Cities, and you may be perfect for our team. If you're outgoing and enjoy helping local businesses reach their potential, call today at 651-289-4418. That's 651-289-4418. Salem Media is an equal opportunity employer. Listen to what Jeff says about Andro 400. This product is so much better than even some of the advertisements. This changed every aspect of my life. There was a 40 waist, and uh, with the Andro 400, I'm down to 36. I'm 54 years old, and people said to me that I look better than I ever have, and that I look like I'm in my early 40s. Hands down, I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm telling you, it's the Andro. People immediately notice the burst of energy, my skin, my energy, plus the weight loss the toning of the body, and the increased strength and endurance that I have in the gym. Where I was and where I am now, night and day. And Andrew 400 has made the difference. My customers, my friends, my family, everybody's noticing the difference. Guys, if you want to lose belly fat, gain energy, strength, and muscle, and look and feel years younger like Jeff, Try Andro 400, the safe, natural, and affordable way to boost your testosterone. Go to andro400.com or call 888-400-0435. That's 888-400-0435. andro400.com. Back with another segment on the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson, closing out this weekend's edition of Northern Alliance Radio Network Programming. You can catch my friend and colleague, King Banyan, on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. He's on Saturdays from 9 to 11 a.m. And my friend and colleague, Mitch Berg, heard on these very airwaves every Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. He is the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. I am The Closer. Closing out programming every Sunday right here on AM 1280, The Patriot, from 2 to 3 p.m. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in to the broadcast. I like the song by the Tubes. One of their uh, more unheralded songs, of course, their big song was uh, She's a Beauty. So I'm just kind of getting into it. Sorry. Focus, focus, focus. Got to keep me focused here, Brandon. Sorry about that. Hey, a lot uh, going on in the news this past week. And, of course, you know that I'm a sports fan, a fan of, uh, of obviously, politics and the culture. And uh, kind of an intersection point took place this past week when ESPN personality Jamel Hill uh, took to Twitter and basically called the president. Well, I'll read the exact tweet. Donald Trump is a white supremacist who has largely surrounded himself with other white supremacists. And Jamel Hill is an African-American uh, lady who works for ESPN. has been there for quite some time. I know she was with e- she wrote for ESPN.com for a while before she actually was an on-air personality, if I remember right. And, and I remember her from about eight years ago where she got suspended by ESPN because she equated rooting for the Boston Celtics as having sympathy for Hitler. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, yeah, so she was suspended for a bit over that. I thought it was kind of a silly analogy. I didn't understand the analogy first and foremost, but again, my philosophy is avoid all Hitler analogies at all costs. But I digress. Uh, I I don't believe she should be fired, first and foremost, for calling a sitting president of the United States a white supremacist. Uh, Is it tacky? Does it lack any merit or substance? Yeah, but... Pretty much a lot of criticism of Donald Trump these days lacks any substance. 
There's uh, there's plenty of substantive criticism to levy towards Donald Trump. But unfortunately, a lot of people choose to engage in the mass hysteria as opposed to substantive criticism. And that's all that part of the whole resistance movement, delegitimizing the president, whatever. Won't go down that road again. Uh, I and, and the reason I bring this up is the White House weighed in on this this past week. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is the current press secretary, was asked about this and was read this quote. And she indicated that it should be a fireable offense. Now, she didn't call for Jamel Hill to be fired. This is where a lot of people are losing are, are, are losing perspective here. No, she did not call for Jamel Hill to be fired because people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. an administration, a sitting presidential administration is calling for a private citizen to be fired. That's just creepy. Those are authoritarian tactics. No, they were not calling for her to be fired. They said it's a fireable offense. You know why she said it's a fireable offense? Because ESPN has set the precedent. Remember Kurt Schilling? Kurt Schilling spoke out against radical Islam. In fact, he 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 retweeted a meme on Twitter dinging radical Islam, and Kurt Schilling's only comment was, eh, makes you think. That was it. And then later on, Kurt Schilling spoke out against allowing uh uh spoke out against uh, transgender bathrooms, basically saying a, a, a man who identifies a woman being able to use the ladies' room could potentially be harmful to kids. And he posted a meme on his on his Facebook page, or he shared a post on his Facebook page showing a uh, a trans man, or I'm sorry, a trans woman, a, a, a guy that's dressed up like a woman, and basically saying, hey, let him in uh, to the restroom with your daughter or else you're a narrow-minded, judgmental, unloving, racist bigot who needs to die. You know, that's one of those snarky memes regarding the transgender bathroom issue. And Kurt Schilling was eventually let go from his job at ESPN. So the point is, saying it's a fireable offense only says so within the context of that's the standard ESPN has set with their social media policy. If employees of their company are sending out, are, are, are eliciting personal opinions on politics, whether they say, well, the, the views I express aren't necessarily a reflection on my employer, the fact of the matter is they are going to be a reflection on ESPN. Because Kurt Schilling was well, best known for being not only a former baseball pitcher, but an analyst for, ML, for ESPN's MLB coverage. Okay, so he was associated with ESPN. And the same here with Jamel Hill, who hosts, currently hosts a weeknight uh, show called SC6 or Sports Center 6. She's a co-host with Michael Smith. Never seen the program. Not I, I rarely tune into ESPN anymore, not because I'm taking some sort of moral stance against their left-wing political commentators. That's not it at all. It's just I have MLB Network, I have NFL Network, I have NBA TV and NHL TV. Guess what? If I want to see highlights of a specific sport or if I want to watch commentary on a specific sport, I'll go to one of those networks. I don't want to have to sit through lacrosse highlights to get to the highlights of the Twins game. That's just me. That's why I pretty much don't watch ESPN. I, I still enjoy their Sunday night baseball coverage because they have a compelling Sunday night baseball game. And occasionally I'll watch baseball tonight at ESPN, but I like MOB Network's coverage much better, except when Eric Burns is on there, and then I'll turn in the channel. But <clears throat> that's just a personality difference. But my point is, is that if you felt it was wrong for Kurt Schilling to be fired, we shouldn't be then calling for Jamel Hill to be fired. Okay, if we're, if we're going to stand by the standard, you should be able to express your own personal viewpoints without it affecting your employment. But the problem is, is that 
these people are associated with ESPN, still a very high-profile company, high-profile network, despite the fact people are turning away in, in, in substantial numbers. And uh, John Skipper, who is the, uh, I forget his official title, he's the president, okay, ESPN president, uh, put out a memo this past week to employees. It was obtained by CNN. I want to remind everybody about fundamental principles at ESPN. ESPN is about sports. Last year, we broadcast over 16,000 sports events. We show highlights and report scores and tell stories and break down plays. And we talk about sports all day, every day. Of course, sports is intertwined with society and culture, so sticking to sports is not so simple. When athletes engage on issues or when protests happen in games, we cover, report, and comment on that. We are, among other things, the largest, most accomplished, and highly resourced sports news organization. We take great pride in our news organization. We have programs on which we discuss and even debate sports, as well as the issues that intersect with sports. Fans themselves love to debate and discuss sports. ESPN is not a political organization. Where sports and politics intersect, no one is told what view they must express. At the same time, ESPN has values. We are committed to inclusion in an environment of tolerance where everyone in a diverse workforce has the equal opportunity to succeed. We consider this human, not political. Consequently, we insist that no one be denigrated for who they are, including their gender, ethnicity, religious beliefs, or sexual identity. We have issues or of significant debate in our country at this time. Our employees are citizens and appropriately wanted to pr- participate in the public discussion. They can create a conf- that can create a conflict for our public-facing talent between their work and their personal points of view. Given this reality, we have social media policies which require people to understand that social platforms are public and their comments on them will reflect on ESPN. At a minimum, comments should not be inflammatory or personal, like calling the President of the United States a white supremacist. <clears throat> That's my own commentary. Uh, in light of recent events, we need to remind ourselves that we are a journalistic organization, that we should not do anything that undermines that position. We also know that ESPN is a special place that, and that our success is based on you and your colleagues' work. Let's not let the public narrative rewrite who we are or what we stand for. Let's not be divided in that pursuit. I will need your support if we are to succeed. Okay, very common sense policy. And again, regardless of, you, of your disclaimer, my personal views don't reflect upon my employer. The fact of the matter is, a network as large as ESPN, and if you're a high-profile personality with ESPN, like Jamel Hill apparently is, it's going to reflect in ESPN, period. But again, uh, I, I, I don't agree with the administration that they should be weighing in on a private citizen's uh, job status, but to say that they were calling for her to be fired, no. Saying it's a fireable offense, saying, well, hey, ESPN, you fired other people for eliciting some pretty, uh, shall we say, uh, very powerful political views, very politically charged views, jarring views, if you will, i.e., Kurt Schilling. You know, where's the where, where? You know, is there a standard? Is there a different standard for conservatives? That's what I want to know. Uh, Mark in St. Louis Park wants to weigh in on this uh, particular issue. Hey, Mark, you're on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, Brad. This is well, not so much political, but I also ESPN has just gone overboard with the PC baloney. There was a tennis reporter, I think his name was Paul Adler, who was yes, doing a tennis Paul. match with Venus Williams. Yes. Uh, and he, uh, she, what she does, too, if you ever watch her play, she likes to hit the ball deep and come into the net. She's a, That's her game. She loves the net. So she did that in one specific uh, instance, 
And he said that she's using, you know, guerrilla tactics. That's right. what you do. You, she attacks. That, that's her game. Yes. He was immediately fired. Yes. Guerrilla, G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A, tactics. Right. And uh, he was fired. No explanation, apparently. And I think he's, I think he's filed a lawsuit now, but I'll just hang up and listen. That's, that's PC just gone overboard with that ESPN. It's ridiculous. I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate Thanks. the comment. Yeah, I appreciate the comments, Mark. I do remember that. Yeah, I, I, I don't follow tennis that closely, but yes, guerrilla tactics. And uh, sometimes, uh, I don't know if there was an accusation where he was using a double entendre and trying to be slick and using guerrilla G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A, which would have been within the context of the comment that he made, guerrilla tactics. But, yeah, and, and as as Mark indicated, this because it was used against Venus Williams, who was an African-American female tennis player, some people were insinuating that he was using the gorilla as in, you know, the, the animal, implying that Venus was a was was a gorilla or an ape. And I, I, I don't know uh, Doug Adler personally, and don't know anything about him, but I would find that uh, rather dubious that that was his intent behind that. I don't know, but uh, I appreciate you bringing that up, Mark. I do remember that incident, and that's something I definitely want to keep an eye on. And if he's filing a lawsuit, yeah, that that's going to be interesting. And and what kind of precedent that might set? Because ESPN might be, uh, you know, uh, they they might be a little might approach this issue a little more uh, carefully in the future. And uh, what I would say and. John Skipper brought up in a statement is that they have debate programming where they discuss social issues because you can't help but not discuss these social issues, particularly in light of, uh, well, look back a few years ago when Ray Rice and his issues with domestic abuse where there was video footage of him hitting his fiance with a closed fist to the point where she where he she launched off the ground. She went airborne and ended up being knocked unconscious because she went airborne and then hit her head on the railing within an elevator. Or Adrian Peterson, when he uh, left whip marks on his kid because he whipped him so hard with a switch. Okay? Yeah. These issues inevitably kind of seep into sports. And so, therefore, yeah, it's perfectly appropriate to talk about them in the sports world. But ESPN is kind of a, they've kind of set themselves up for this because they've allowed their commentary to seep into to social and political issues, like the Colin Kaepernick saga, where he kneels you know, during the national anthem. Things like that. And then it, it leads to these commentators coming at it from their own political prism. Well, okay, ESPN has given them the latitude, but then if they go too far, if they stray too far, you know, they, they try to rein them in. Well, you kind of created this ESPN. So now they're having to deal with trying to balance the, the rate, their ratings, people wanting to cut the cord, people not wanting to watch ESPN much anymore. For, for myriad reasons, not just the political bent. That is a factor, but it's not the sole factor. But I will say this. If Jamel Hill, if if it's shown that her show with Michael Smith, SC6, if the ratings decline is in direct relation to her political commentary, well, then the, as a business decision, it would just make business sense to fire her. I don't know how you prove that. I don't know how you document that, but uh, there would be grounds for it. But uh, I don't think she'd be fired. I think ESPN should just continue to circle the drain. That's its own punishment in and of itself. One final segment here on AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. With me, Brad Carlson, on The Patriot. Go nowhere. AM 1280, The Patriot. Hi, this is Terry Sandvold, CEO of Sandvold Financial Group and host of Money Talks. Sandvold Financial Group would like to help provide the sturdy foundation for your financial future. We want you to plan for tomorrow, today. 
Give us a call to attend an upcoming seminar at 952-544-2837. That's 952-544-2837. Or go to helpmeterry.com to set up a no-cost financial review today. Registered representative of and independent of Questar Capital Corporation. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Questar Asset Management. About one in five veterans coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan suffer from PTSD or traumatic brain injury that often leads to depression, self-inflicted injuries, and even suicide. Having a trained service or companion dog is proven to help ease suffering. Pets Loyal to Vets was founded in 2012 as the first nonprofit organization in Minnesota to train dogs exclusively for Minnesota veterans treated for service-connected traumas. Support the cause at PetsLoyalToVets.org. That's Pets Loyal, the number two, Vets.org. This is David Davenport of the Hoover Institution for TownHall.com. This summer, Commentary Magazine published a forum on the question, Is Free Speech Under Threat in the United States? Ironically, in a country where the Constitution and the courts carefully protect free speech, many people do not feel free to speak freely. Why? Because of a smothering blanket of political correctness that starts in our colleges and permeates our society. Speakers with points of view that differ from the liberal orthodoxy are not welcome on many campuses, and in some cases, they've been subject to threats and violence. Students are supposed to be protected from so-called trigger words and microaggressions in the classroom. So much for free speech and the open debate of competing ideas. The problem is that the First Amendment protects free speech from limitations by government, but the big challenges to free speech come from our culture and our campuses. It will take a strong fight to protect free speech, which is clearly under threat. I'm David Davenport. Learn more at townhallreview.com. Webster's Dictionary defines a meeting as a gathering of people for a particular purpose, such as to talk about business. No matter how big or small your meeting is, WNAV Audiovisual can help. Because at WNAV Audiovisual, your meeting is our business. Hi, I'm Mark Stoneman, president of WNAV Audiovisual. Today, over 26 million meetings will take place in the United States. In today's fast-paced world, meetings are essential to keep people connected. In today's fast-paced world, you have to get business done now. Whether your meeting is in a conference room, auditorium, ballroom, or sanctuary, WNAV can provide you with audiovisual equipment and expertise quickly, smoothly, and efficiently. And we've been serving Minnesota since 1983. Learn more about what WNAV's technicians can do for you online at wnav-video.com. That's wnav-video.com. WNAV Audiovisual where your meeting is our business. Hey, welcome back. I'm Tommy Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, just want to remind you, members of the listening audience who are either veterans or active military, Today is the last day of our contest where you can sign up for an opportunity to win a free furnace or AC unit. That's right. Through today, again, today is the last day of this contest. Active military or veterans can log on to am1280thepatriot.com or gobluox.com. And all you have to do is locate the Patriotic Blue Ox logo somewhere on either website, click on it, and register to win. It's that simple. And, of course, we here at AM1280, The Patriot, and all of our Salem affiliates, for that matter, we appreciate the service of our veterans and our active-duty military. And even if you sign up and you don't happen to win the free AC unit or furnace unit, each person that registers will be given a 15% discount on service or tune-up for either their AC or furnace. So, again, you have to be an active military or veteran, 18 or older. But everybody's a winner, and we appreciate you tuning in to AM1280, The Patriot, 
But more than anything, we appreciate your service to our great country. Hey, speaking of our great country, uh, the Miss America pageant took place this past Sunday. And, of course, I have a vested interest in this because I am the MC of the Miss Minnesota pageant. Any opportunity I have to tout my credentials in that area, <coughs> I'm willing to do. But uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I kid, of course. I, I was hoping upon hope that our Miss Minnesota Brianna Drevlo would place in the top 15, and unfortunately she did not, which was a gross oversight in my opinion. But, hey, I don't get a vote, so what do I know? But as has become the trend with the Miss America pageant, they asked very politically charged questions for the top, you know, for the final five. And then, of course, after that, they then tabulate their scores on all of the phases of competition, and then uh, then they have a winner. And congratulations to Kara Mund, by the way. She missed North Dakota. She was crowned Miss America, the first ever Miss North Dakota to be crowned Miss America, and our neighbor to the West. And, of course, our colleague Mitch Berg, a North Dakota native, I'm sure is excited for that. The first time in the 97-year history of the Miss America pageant, Miss North Dakota was crowned Miss America. So congratulations to Kara. She was actually here for the Miss Minnesota pageant. A few months ago, and I didn't get an opportunity to meet her, which, again, a gross oversight on my part because, uh, you know, she became Miss America. Could have had an opportunity to uh, chat with a real-life Miss America right there, but uh, ah, didn't happen. Perhaps she'll be here next year for the, for the pageant in her role as Miss America. Who's to say? But I go back to some of the politically charged questions. I They were very leading questions, and because these are elitist celebrities, they're inevitably anti-Trump. And they want to lead the contestants into taking shots at Trump because it probably gains more points with the judges. Like Miss Missouri was asked about uh, the multiple investigations into whether Trump's campaign colluded with Russia on election. Well, did they? You're the jury, guilty or innocent. Please explain your verdict. And Miss Missouri said, well, right now there's not enough evidence. The investigation's still going on. Okay, that's a common sense answer. Isn't uh, innocent until proven guilty still a bedrock of the, of our country? I'd like to think it is. But, of course, Miss Missouri didn't win. And then uh, Jess Cagle, who is with People Magazine, last month a demonstration of neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and KKK in Charlottesville, Virginia, turned violent, and a counter-protester was killed. The president said there was shared blame with, quote, very fine people on both sides. Were there? Tell me yes or no and explain. And, of course, this was asked of Miss Texas. And, um, you know, she was pretty flustered by by that question. And I thought perhaps one of the best answers was Miss New Jersey. She was asked by former figure skater Tara Lipinski about a recent poll found slightly over half of Americans favored leaving Confederate statues in place while others want them removed. Keep them or get rid of them. What's your vote and why? And Mr. Jersey, I thought, gave a terrific answer, common sense answer, which is why she didn't win. I don't think the answer is to get rid of these statues. I think the answer is to relocate them into museums because we are truly defined by our country's history, and I don't think it's something we need to forget. We need to always remember it and honor our history of America because it truly makes us who we are as Americans, but they should move, be moved to museums. Okay, I thought that was a great answer, common sense answer, not necessarily politically correct, because the politically correct was no Confederate racism, get rid of them, burn them, you know, use them as uh, uh, let uh, let oppressed families uh, go in there with a with a hammer and chisel them, knock them all down. But uh, Miss North Dakota, she got an answer. She got a question about the Paris Climate Agreement about withdrawing from it, and she indicated, I believe it's a bad decision. Once we reject, we take ourselves out of the negotiation table. And that's not something we really need to keep in mind. I think Miss North Dakota missed the whole point of the Paris Climate Agreement 
But that's okay. She answered it articulately and with passion. And I think they look for that more than they look for the substance of the answer, unless the substance of the answer happens to go against the leftist narrative. But uh, that, regardless, uh, Miss North Dakota is going to be a great Miss America, in my opinion. And her goal, her long, one of her long-term goals, is to be the first female governor of the state of North Dakota because she interned for then-Governor John Hoven back, uh, back in the day. Now John Hoven is the uh, United States Senator of North Dakota, but she actually interned for Governor Hoven in his office some years ago, and now she aspires to be the first female governor. Uh, she's a very impressive young lady, and I, I'm not going to doubt her. That's all I'm going to say. So even though I thought she, uh, her answer, while well, she answered with passion, uh, her answer kind of indicated she really didn't understand what we were doing with the Paris Climate Agreement as far as pulling out. It has nothing to do with negotiations. It had to do with it was a toothless treaty that if we did nothing, there would be no ramifications for it. But again, I look for the political substance in these uh, particular ones. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, I've enjoyed you tuning into the broadcast, AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Godspeed, my friends. Have yourselves a blessed week. Closing time. Turn all of the light. Message and data rates may apply. Ready to get back to college and finish that bachelor's degree? Yes. Love the idea of finishing your degree online? Yes. Does the idea of transferring credits sound like an absolute headache? Yes. Then transfer your transfer headaches to us. We're Southern New Hampshire University. We're experts in making sure you get the most from your previous college credits. We do practically all the transfer work for you, putting you on the fast track to graduation. Yes! Send us a text and we'll do all the work. Discover SNHU and how much time and money you can save with a no-obligation bachelor's degree transfer evaluation by texting CAN11 to 554433. Founded in 1932, Southern New Hampshire University offers degree programs online, making higher education far more affordable and accessible. Say yes to finishing your degree. Discover SNHU and how much time and money you can save with a no-obligation bachelor's degree transfer evaluation by texting CAN11 to 554433. That's C-A-N-11 to 554433. Southern New Hampshire University. See yourself succeed. You've heard of the fun police? Well, we're the opposite. The original donut shop coffee. Full-flavored, deliciously straightforward coffee best enjoyed with a smile. So good, it's criminal. <sighs> Enjoy a cup and sprinkle some fun into or made, made for your Keurig brewer. Find it at Keurig.com and grocery stores everywhere. Just look for the bright teal box with the donut. The original donut shop coffee. Have more fun. Today, there's something happening in Minnesota. Something groundbreaking. Something iconic. Something historic. And something rejuvenating. Something loud. And something like a whisper. There's always something happening. Only in Minnesota. Visit exploreminnesota.com. Back to doing what I love and when you're in pain, you need the Good Feet Store. Don't suffer from foot pain, sore ankles, tired legs, achy back and hips, or sore knees. Go to the Good Feet Store for your no-obligation custom fitting and immediately feel the difference. The Good Feet Arch Support System is designed to put your feet in an ideal position, redistribute body weight more evenly, and help relieve pain and stress. With over 350 styles and sizes to relieve your pain. This is Michael Medved, and I wear my Good Feet Arch Support System in all of my shoes. I'm told they even work in high heels. I don't have experience with that. If you have stress, if you have tension, pressure, or pain in 
in your back, hip, knees, ankles, or feet, call for your appointment, 855-554-3338. For your no-obligation fitting, you can use your flex spending accounts and most health savings accounts, too. Visit one of the three Good Feet locations, Bloomington, Maple Grove, and the brand-new store in Maplewood. Thanks to the Good Feet store. This is AM 1280, The Patriot.